In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. If you ask the Lord to give you a Lord's Prayer, you've got to expect something more than business as usual. And Jesus does not disappoint. He spends only six words talking about business as usual. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus spends the first half of the Lord's Prayer talking about God and God's kingdom. He spends the last half talking about what we mere humans must do if we're to live in a God-scale world. It's a reverse sandwich. Our daily bread is a thin slice of Mrs. Baird's with a lot of meat on top and bottom. Using Luke's extremely economical version, those six business-as-usual words out of a total of 38 amount to about 15% of the Lord's Prayer. And it's even less than the prayer book version where 60 words total reduce our daily bread to a mere 10%. That seems about right. 10% for us, 90% for God, a Lord's Prayer. That's what it is. If this were your prayer or my prayer instead of the Lord's Prayer, that middle sentence would have taken up a lot more space. And it would have been a lot more about getting and would have been about a lot more than getting enough wheat product to stay alive. Would have included your IRA's performance on the stock market, your blood pressure, the D your high school kid just brought home, back pain, weight loss, the next political election, the neighbors barking dogs and the number of likes you're not getting on Facebook. <laughs> These are the things that matter to us. And most of us load up our prayers with them. A quick hiya to God at the front end, a fervent amen at the end to complete that prayer sandwich. Percentages vastly reversed from the Lord's Prayer. 98% business as usual, 1% to God on each end. What does that tell us? Well, I don't think it tells us to stop asking God for what we need. I do not think that. That's not what I'm saying. There are plenty of places in the New Testament, including this gospel, where Jesus tells us to take it to the Lord in prayer. Your kids' grades, your IRA, your weight and blood pressure matter greatly, though I do think we could lighten up about Facebook just a little. You are responsible for your life on earth, and asking for God's help when you've reached your limits is being responsible. What the Lord's Prayer does provide, though, is a roadmap for our prayer life. If you spend 10 minutes praying to God about all the things that matter in your daily life on earth, then that should be about 10% of the total time you spend with God if our percentages hold up. All the other things Jesus includes in the Lord's Prayer make up the rest of it. Let's do the math. 10 minutes for your business is 10%. That means you should be spending about an hour and a half praying about the holiness of God, his kingdom coming, being forgiven as forgiving, deliverance from temptation and evil. That's the kind of balance Jesus is looking for. And don't let that amount of time scare you. There are a lot of ways to do it in addition to time spent on your knees in prayer. If you're stuck in traffic, think about God instead of stressing over being late for your next appointment. Read books on all of these subjects. Sit in your easy chair meditating. Get out into nature. Commune with the mysteries of your cat. There are all sorts of ways to engage the subject Jesus maps out for us in the Lord's Prayer. What matters 
is to reflect and pray searchingly, moving around in your heart and mind among the many ways God's holiness can be experienced, the multitudinous ways in which things can't be done on earth as in heaven, the rich, complex, and daunting issues surrounding forgiveness, the temptations that beset you, and the evils from which only God can deliver you. The thoughts that can be thought in all these subjects are as numerous as the stars in the sky, or the grains of sand on the seashore, and Jesus wants these thoughts to be alive in our hearts and minds. Here's what I mean. I think we benefit greatly when we spend serious time each day just focusing on God the Father in heaven and immersing ourselves in conscious exploration of how things are different in this world because God is real. To ascribe the word holy to God or hallowed means believing that the source of everything that exists is larger than our world, complete where our life and world are incomplete full in all the ways our life and world feel empty, sufficient where our life and world are insufficient. How does it change things if you focus your mind on God's fullness and sufficiency in the face of life's deficiencies? You spend time with your spouse and family, your friends, your fellow parishioners, your workmates, and their love and care and attention puts the needs of your life into a larger perspective than just yourself alone. Spend time with God too. See how different the world looks then. Then we pray for God's kingdom to come so that things on earth can and will and should be like things in heaven. We should all be spending significant time and energy every day looking at yesterday and asking ourselves how we would have acted differently if we were in heaven. Is there fear in heaven, anger and outrage, insult and attack, concealment, indulgence, or escapism? Of course not. Of course not. In heaven there is engagement soul to soul, inadequacies healed, inequalities leveled, the glory of God embraced. In light of heaven, what will you do differently today, right now? So look at today. And ask yourself, what specific concrete opportunities exist where you can do things as they are done in heaven? What words can you speak that heal rather than divide? What does the spirit feel like that moves in you to get those words spoken? What actions? What gestures? This is very practical stuff. You are training to do the right thing when those moments of choice comes. Then, next, we get to pray for our daily bread. We get our 10%. Okay? Moving right along. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The Lord's Prayer takes us into our sinful brokenness, but in a wildly unexpected way. We've all been taught that we're supposed to admit and confess and repent our sins and be forgiven in church, and yes, we are, and that prayer's coming up in just a few minutes. But the Lord's Prayer itself says nothing about admitting, confessing, repenting. Rather, it says we are forgiven as we forgive others. So we begin by remembering the ways in which other people have injured us. 
we allow ourselves to feel the full pain of those injuries. Then we immerse ourselves in the difficult and complex journey that's required to forgive them. What we discover when we've really been hurt is that trying as hard as we can, it's just about impossible to forgive. We can forget grievances or just ignore them, but forgive? That's hard. So we're left having to pray to God for help with this, entering into detailed conversation with God about this terribly sensitive matter. And in so doing, we find that God can forgive what we cannot. And even more, because we have invited God into the act of forgiveness, we discover that we ourselves miraculously are forgiven of our sins as well. Then we pray using Pope Francis's translation, do not let us fall into temptation. We all have our temptations, things that trail along just behind us, just over our shoulder, steering us toward things we just know are damaging to our souls, but sure are attractive. Temptations of indulgence, temptations to power. The Lord's Prayer asks you to bring them around front. Look at them with God, name them, and then through praying persistently, God will do his part so you can do yours. And only God can deliver us in the time of trial when everything is at stake. This is the dark back end to the Lord's Prayer. We're talking about the times we have faced, maybe facing, or will face when something so grievous has happened to us that we believe God either has abandoned us or that God isn't real after all. So pray fervently, therefore, now, while the sun shines, that God will be there for you when the world has wounded you mortally, so that when it happens, you will hold out your hand to God rather than slapping his hand away. Any of us are finer, better people as we give this kind of time and attention to God. Jesus isn't fooling. This prayer is important. Actually, it's even more important than you think because it's not just about you and God, it's about everybody. Imagine what the world would be like if everybody on earth spent just north of an hour and a half a day praying the Lord's Prayer the way we just described to whatever form their divinity takes. It would be a different world. It'd be a lot more like heaven. Just imagine all the people living in harmony. John Lennon wrote that song, and it was a lovely thought, but it was dreamy, wishful stuff lacking in substance. He had no agenda for achieving it. Jesus has an agenda. Jesus has a very concrete program, and he's given it to us in the Lord's Prayer. Imagine all the people intentionally grounded in what is holy, committed to living on earth as in heaven, forgiving, resisting temptation, delivered from evil. Imagine that. Amen.